Welcome, code aficionados and digital daredevils, to a podcast that's about to dive deep into the fascinating world of WebAssembly. WebAssembly, or WASM for the initiated, is revolutionizing modern engineering, pushing the boundaries of what developers can do. It's like a secret portal connecting your code to the digital cosmos. On this show, F5 hosts will be your guides to this virtual dimension, decoding the mysteries and unveiling the endless possibilities. So strap in for a special bite-sized adventure as we take off with WebAssembly Unleashed. Ah, thank you, Tabitha. And I am pleased to be sitting at a table with the people I'm talking to for the very first time in our podcast series. Uh, again, welcome to WebAssembly Unleashed. I'm Joel Moses. Uh, with me, of course, is Oscar Spencer, uh, my co-host and, and uh, uh, my, my, uh, my right hand in all things WebAssembly. Uh, I'm pleased to, to also have Dave McAllister join us today, and we're going to talk to Dave uh, about some of his experiences in open standards and open source today and how it applies to WebAssembly. Uh, but before we do that, uh, I just want to let you know why we're here sitting at the same table. We're here uh, at our uh, customer event. Uh, Oscar and I both work for F5 and Nginx, and uh, we've got a lot of customers walking around, uh, and we've uh, chosen a corner of the establishment to talk to each other. Uh, and it's great to be here in person. Oscar, uh, what's, uh, what's on your mind this week on WebAssembly? Well, the biggest thing since the last episode of WebAssembly Unleashed is WASI Preview 2 has yes. officially launched. Uh, this has been so much work in the, uh, in the making. Uh, the fact that now the component model is actually realized. Um, this is on by default in WASM time. You can go try it out now. You can use JCode to build uh, JavaScript components. You can use Componentize Pi to build Python components. Uh, and then soon, you know, it's coming, uh, it's getting merged super soon, you're going to be able to do it in Rust. Uh, so it's an incredibly exciting time. Obviously, the tool chains are going to have to you know, catch up and get all the stuff integrated. But the fact that you can now truly build Preview 2 components and compose them together, absolutely huge. Yeah, absolutely. Right down to actual active work that you can do and moving towards production workloads and everything. It's, it's a huge benefit to server-side WebAssembly. And mm -hmm. it's a very exciting time. And now uh, the work for Preview 3 starts. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, good. So, so remind me, uh, Preview 1 to Preview 2? Preview 1 uh, Preview one to Preview 2, uh, it's mostly rebasing on the component model is okay. largely what it is, cleaning up some of the interfaces, learned a couple things that we didn't necessarily need, stuff like that. Gotcha. Preview 2 to Preview 3, we're adding uh, async and streams. Um, so that's that's the big the big idea oh. of Preview Three. So there's a lot you can accomplish with Preview Two, but obviously there's still yeah, more work to do. Definitely waiting for streams now. Do you think we're going to accelerate from Preview 2 to Preview 3 is really in relation to 1 to 2? Absolutely. Okay. Um, so you can probably expect Preview 3 to come far faster than you might think. Not going to throw any timelines at it, but yeah. uh, much, much faster than Preview 2 came. Great, that's good. Now, uh, again, it, it took a little while to get to Preview 2, and, right. and a lot of times that has to do with you know activity in the community. Uh, people have other jobs in an open standard community, and so some things slow down because people have to focus and, and produce good output. And that's a great thing to kind of pivot to our guest here. I want to introduce Dave McAllister. Uh, Dave works with us at NGINX, uh, but Dave has a rather storied history <laughs> uh, in, in uh, open standards and open source. Dave, uh, you were instrumental in launching something that uh, all of us are very familiar with. Uh, what, what was that? Yeah, you, some of you all might know this little standard that um, I was involved in called ISO 32000, um, otherwise known oh, yeah. as uh, the portable document format, uh -huh. PDF. Um, at Adobe, we realized that PDF 
was already ubiquitous to the world and was the standard for transmitting documentation, but we controlled it. We also realized that controlling it was a limiting factor. Nobody in their right mind makes money off of a standard. You make money off of tooling for standards. And so we went through the process, cleaned up the specification code, which had always been open. Anyone could just grab the spec and build anything they wanted to out of it. But we took it into ISO, and we were very pleased with the response of the countries around the world. ISO is a country-based environment. Um, had two major questions that we answered, and at that time were the fastest standard to ever go through the ISO process to full acceptance. Wow. Um, it was amazing. Um, it was also fascinating uh, working at that level where, oh, we're going to fly to China and meet with their deputy minister of information technology. Um, wow. And I'm still not sure what we had for lunch, but I <laughs> ate. <laughs> Now, you were at Adobe for roughly eight years. Now, how much of that time was spent fighting for, for uh, getting to a global standard? Um, believe it or not, once we got through the first month of the fight, um, it moved really fast. We um, started the process in, we started the internal process of writing it in May and presented it to um, AIM, um, American Information and Something Management. I forgot what the other I stands for now, <laughs> um, for this, to go through what's called a, an ISO fast track process. It went into the ISO for the first time, I believe, in December of that year, and was a fully approved standard by June of the next year. Wow. Uh, which is blindingly fast. If you That's do. exceptionally fast. Yeah. Um, it, it, the biggest cleanup we had to do were the infamous, we need to change wills and shalls um, to the right things for this. <laughs> and the original spec included PostScript because again, PostScript came out of the same company right. and the same people. And so the original PDF specification, the first two chapters were PostScript. And so we oh, had to boy. remove the PostScript information from this before we could push through the PDF standard. Yeah. Sometimes That's, it's those little things, right? That you gotta, it's just the small wills and won'ts and shalls that you're, you're really, you really have to make sure those are accurate. It, it has a lot to do with the relevance of the standard and it has a lot to do with the implementations that come out of it, right? Yeah, hmm. yeah fortunately with Adobe on that standard, um, which honestly the specification had already shown up in open source code. It was actually called open source code at the time, something called GoScript. GoScript was written to the standard. Right. There were a lot of companies um, doing this. But early on, Adobe also identified that it didn't want to block anyone from using it by their patents, and they hold patents on PDF. Mm -hmm. And so they had granted in perpetuity the use of those patents. Right. Whether you made money off of it, whether you didn't make money off of it, those patents were granted. And that removed a lot of barriers for PDF becoming the thing that we all depend on every single day to, um, in our case, file our taxes or right. read the latest documentation. So we've already talked about a few things that are relevant, I think, to WebAssembly in terms of just getting through standards processes. It's, it's the, part of the process is making sure that the, that the specification is written correctly and that, mm -hmm. it's, that, that everybody follows the same specification. Uh, part of it is, is going through the regular process and, and, and creating regularity in it. Uh, are there, you know, you've, you've been watching uh, Oscar work here. Uh, what what lessons do you have to give him on on how open standards can be driven much more effectively? What's what is WebAssembly doing right, and what's it doing wrong? So, so 
I'm going to give really great kudos um, to the way WebAssembly has put this together because they have done this by implementation. So it's really easy to write a standard with no consideration of the real world. <coughs> um, witness ADA 83 or Witness ADA 95, programming languages that were brilliant, but nobody in their right mind would ever use them. Um, <laughs> And I was an ADA guy, so I, I can <laughs> safely make that statement. Uh, but because you're building something, you get to try it out. You get to see what works. Mm -hmm. So I'll add um, a little bit of context here. For WASI Preview 2, one of the requirements for us to advance um, that proposal and say this thing has been launched was we had to have two independent implementations of the specification to show that it is real, it can be implemented yeah. by not just one, but multiple parties. And in fact, um, the only dissenting vote that even happened for the proposal was, honestly, it'd be great if we had a third, um, which is you know, fantastic um, that this is the way that we're thinking about it because we wanna make sure that this stuff is actually usable by people. Like one, can you actually implement it? Are you gonna find bugs? And we did find bugs. Um, there were loads of bugs that ended up being found, particularly you know, like file system on Windows. Yeah, oh shocker, God. right? Um, but you actually do end up finding these things by doing the implementation. Yeah. So I think it's it's phenomenal, you know, that we're doing that. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you, know. you, you that's you actually mentioned something I want to bring up is the second strong thing that I think WebAssembly is doing in terms of creating this this de facto or realistic standard, the jour standard, is you're not based on pure consensus. You mm -hmm. can have a dissenting vote, but you know, for again picking on PDF, you can't have a dissenting vote. You actually have to read 100% of the committee voting on you has to agree before you can go through that, that standard, that fast track process. Wow, and you fast tracked it even though that was the, stand, that was the, the, the operating yeah, standard but, they used. Right, it was the operating standard, everybody recognized it and so forth, but we had to um, add a different signature format for France, and that took <laughs> us a, a couple of, uh, about a week I think in here, and then we had to meet in China to um, explain to them the patent clauses. I see, so the advice you're offering to WebAssembly is uh, get ready for internationalization? <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, yeah. Getting ready, getting ready for going, going international is always a challenge. Uh, fortunately, since the WebAssembly standard is in W3C, mm -hmm. they are a fast-tracking organization. So they actually have the rights to take this directly to ISO. Yeah, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, implementations, two implementations, uh, if someone, some would prefer three. Uh, all of this work being done in the open. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's also important to note. Uh, there have been other uh, standards tracks that keep things, uh, especially reference implementations, uh, kind of insular, but all of this work was done in the open. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, open source is a huge component of, of what makes WebAssembly great. Uh, can, you, can you speak to that? I know you've had a long history in open source yeah. as well, and that's what you do for Nginx. <laughs> yes, I, I, I do open source, and I've been there longer than it's been called open source. Um, but, <laughs> you know, also, you, you've already pointed out, for instance, that things like Wasm Time already have this working mm -hmm. inside of it. If you built a standard and then built this afterwards, that wouldn't happen. You already have a head start to do this. And literally last night we saw um, Nginx Unit, an open source project, demonstrating working with components, mm -hmm. which is amazing. Mm -hmm. It was introduced last Thursday. Okay, That's great. Mm -hmm. As of this recording, of course. As, yeah, of, this <laughs> as, of, this, sorry, as of this recording. So, um, so you know, when, you, when you stop and think about that, 
open source allowed me to, or allows you to get this massive start, head start. You can start learning now. The difference is, is that when we started open source way back in the dark ages, <laughs> um, it was, you know, it was, the phrase was coined in 1998, for heaven's sakes, um, for this. It was not standards driven. It was purely a itch to scratch. How do I do something that solves a problem I have? And mm -hmm. what's now happened is that everyone has gravitated towards the, the innovation and implementation and speed and delivery capabilities of open source, that now open source powers commodity. Commodity equals standardization. And so we standardize things and then we build extensions to them, which allows us to tap this brilliant mindset of all the people that are right. um, working in any of these spaces. Yeah. You can't do that in standards bodies. Any of you, if sooner or later, you're going to get to go to an ISO meeting. And <laughs> the ISO meetings are very regimented and very, very structured. And I would sit in the ISO meeting and they would call breaks when my head slipped below <laughs> the level of the chair. <laughs> the chairperson literally told us that after the final vote that she would judge. They never figure out why she was how, why she was breaking when she did. She would go, I would watch Dave, and if his head slipped below the level of the chair, we took a break. Very nice. So, time time management. Yeah. By by Dave's head. By Dave's head. So but yeah, so standards meetings are really, I hate to say it, boring as all get out. Mm -hmm. Except for the occasional um, breakouts where you have people screaming at each other. No, you can't say that in the spec um, <laughs> for that. But nonetheless, when you look at this, open source has actually removed a lot of that barrier because now when they say, oh, you can't say that, you go, we already are. We already did that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's great. It makes a big difference. So uh, one thing I want to find out from you is, uh, given your long history in open source, your long history in open standards, uh, is there something in WebAssembly that you think WebAssembly should watch out for? Something that yes. would be the death knell of an open standard? Yeah, the, and this, this is one that standards all across the, the world fall into. Remember and keep in mind that standards are commodity-based. They are not innovation-based. You don't drive at the level or speed that open source innovates. And so don't try to catch up. Build to the common denominator and let your innovations happen around the outside. That's incredibly interesting. And I'm gonna take that to a number of, uh, number of folks um, who I know definitely want us to try and innovate a little bit harder mm -hmm. than maybe we have um, versus the crowd of people who say, hey, actually, I just want to have a standard that says I can go tell my boss, okay, this is stable and I can use this in production. Right. Yep. right? Um, so I think that's incredibly interesting. Yeah, think, think about it. You know, we always used to use in the standards where we always point to the wall plugs. We're, you know, where we are, we've got lots of things plugged in, charging, lots of wires that are connected in here. And imagine that somebody decided to innovate for the US plug structure and change them from this way to this way. Okay, now there are reasons actually to do them this way. There are really good engineering reasons to change them like this. But can you imagine what the impact would be on everybody <laughs> in the entire world? Not just the US, everybody. Because wow. you've got adapters to worry about. Yeah. Standards are basis for building on top of, and you have to be able to depend 
that to your point, they're stable and they're always present. Mm -hmm. Open source and open source standards have a really bad track record of this, mm -hmm. starting with the Linux standards base way back in like 2002, joining with the open source development labs to form the Linux Foundation, <laughs> the standards base for pretty much, oh, okay, we're going to put these things here unless they're there, and they've got to also maybe be over there for that particular distribution. That's not a standard. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. There are people in the community who are not happy with the speed at which the standard has been progressing. As the king of getting, <laughs> standards getting through things through very quickly, uh, what do you have to say to those people? And, and what do you have to say about the community uh, with it taking quite a long time for us to, and I'm trying to think of, I don't want to get the amount wrong, but it's certainly been far more than a year. I want to say it's been two years since Sounds Preview 1 right. was launched, mm -hmm. uh, now that we have Preview 2. Um, what, what do you what do you say to to folks who are dissatisfied with the speed? Um, I would go to, I would point out first of all my first question is looking at me and says, do you think you got it right? I think those people would say, well, it's not everything that I wanted. That's not the question, that's not the question I asked. I asked, do you think you got it right? Mm, do you right. think that what you provided is useful to the majority of people? Mm. This is got to remember that standards are not individual. Open source is an individual itch to scratch. Standards are an itch for everyone to scratch. And that is something that um, open source guys don't worry about. Early often, we'll fix it on the fly. Or, you know, um, looking, looking at the camera here, we'll fix it in post. That was the infamous <laughs> Adobe phrase. We'll fix it in post, um, no matter what. Uh, and you've got to stop when you're working on standards and stop thinking about it from an individual basis and start thinking about it for the good of everybody. That, believe it or not, is incredibly hard to do mm. because we all think about ourselves first even when we don't think we're thinking about ourselves. Mm. And that's where I would start. Mm. Do you think, think that the majority of people can use Preview I mean, for me, I think, yeah. Um, it's a solid base, which I think is exactly what it was trying Spot to be. Spot on. Spot on. Base. Be a base. Build well, on top. So, uh, Dave, I want to be. Uh, I want to ask you another question, and it, it relates to kind of your experiences uh, managing uh, some of the things at Red Hat. Uh, oh, Red God. Hat, of course, uh, a leader in the open source community, uh, but also a company that I guess has been charged with being a little too opinionated and a little too controlling about certain things. Uh, as WebAssembly moves forward, what can we do to kind of keep? Uh, to, to keep one dominant force from overruling all. Yeah, and that's, that is actually a really hard question. How do you keep a dominant party, either one person, one company, from actually controlling the everything? And what has to happen is that the innovation can't just come from a single company. Um, flashing back to PDF, we knew that PDF was driven by Adobe we also felt that was the wrong decision. So from a company basis, I'm fully in favor of the Adobe model. Um, with Red Hat, what they're doing is trying to outperform you on innovation and adoption to become that stable base. I see. When you run into the standards basis, you need to stop and look at this and, and basically say, oh, you know, 
Red Hat, you wrote this for the good of Red Hat. <laughs> or you wrote this for the good of Acme Anvil Corporation. And there may be great ideas in there, but it doesn't go through unchanged. It has to be good for everyone. It's the rule of many applies when you're looking at these standards process. There are certain companies, actually Red Hat's not terrible at this um, because Red, Red Hat does everything upstream first. So you can actually see what they're doing before they, they spring it on you. Mm -hmm. There are other companies who are notorious for walking into a meeting and going, oh, we have this wonderful thing that we think should be included and drop 130 pages of standards text, which I know, Joel, you've looked at and I suspect yeah. you've seen a little bit of it as well, which you sit here and you go, okay, where's my lawyer <laughs> for this? And honestly, when you get into that category, I will flat out tell you, every time somebody's ever walked into that and I've sat in the standards meeting, I don't care how cool it is, it's a no. I will automatically vote no. Um, and it's because they're hiding something. I see. Well, there are a lot of big names surrounding oh, the WebAssembly standard right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, you know, Intel is a constant contributor. Uh, you've got a Microsoft contributing, uh, you know, backing with Blazor and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Oscar, do you have any concerns over that? Right now, yes and no. Okay. So I'd say no because if you go take a look at you know the all the companies that are participating in the Bytecode Alliance, for example, you know big page, there's a ton of companies on there. You see loads of good names, but at the end of the day, when it comes down to you know, what companies are actively contributing to the standard, mm -hmm. it mostly boils down to just a couple. And that's not to throw shade, you know, at all the other companies. It's very difficult, very very difficult to fund open source and standards oh, work. Oh, yes. It's incredibly difficult. I feel incredibly privileged that, you know, now that I'm a part of F5, um, I had said to my boss, oh, I'd, I'd love to spend 20% of my time working on standard stuff. And he said, oh, I was thinking more 50%. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. And I'm like, all right, this is let's, <laughs> good work if you can get it. <laughs> yeah, right? so we'll take it, right? And, and, you know, and, you know, not every company is able to do that. Obviously, we yeah. want to get more folks involved to make sure we're covering all the bases for everyone, right? Because a lot of the time, the only way you actually get funding to go work on standards is if your company says, we have a particular interest yes. in yeah. this standard and we right. want to make sure it goes our way, right? Yeah. Right. So that, that's actually so the interesting question. And honestly, when we, we talk about this commoditization, quite often they're just driven by companies no matter what. Have y'all thought about how you represent individuals inside of a WASM uh, marketplace? That's an interesting question. Um, I'm not sure from a standards perspective yeah, at least. Yeah, the, the reason I'm thinking this up is that, that we're members of the Bytecode Alliance, but we had a huge amount of discussions with the Bytecode Alliance and were invited to come to the table before we ever agreed to sponsor for this and bring our ideas and our concepts. We didn't get a vote, but we would be able to present the information and ideas that we had. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that I believe that Bytecode Alliance driving that piece is amazingly ahead of the game of any other standards organization I can think of. Yeah, it's a great organization, um, quite honestly. Um, they are doing phenomenal work to make sure that, hey, we're continuing to advance the standard forward. Because typically, like if you just have your W3C group, mm -hmm. you know, 
folks are going to attend, folks are going to contribute, um, but there isn't necessarily a separate organization that says, hey, we want to make sure this stuff keeps pushing forward. Right. So, you know, yeah. that in and of itself, you know, maybe you love it, maybe you hate it, but it does cause us to move yeah. forward. So one final thing I want to bring up, and it's the intersection of multiple standards. <gasps> and WebAssembly is going to, is, has already, I'd, I'd argue, run into this. Yeah. Uh, an IETF standard here, an ECMA standard there, obviously, you know, JavaScript being um, an incredibly popular thing in WebAssembly. Um, what, what are the risks of the intersections of these standards? Um, I'm going to use an ECMA uh, story here. When we were doing ECMA, uh, ECMAScript, of course, being based as a JavaScript for all practical purposes, uh, the ECMAScript community through JSON changed the nature of the game and it would have broken anybody who had written ECMAScript prior Oof. to do that. And what we had to do at that point in time was as a standards group, uh, TC39, we looked at this thing and said, we can't do this. And we then built the ECMAScript 5, 6, one of those two, that was still based on what we knew worked for the rest of the world, and we built an index that said you could use this and it sort of had flags all over the place. Um, so you can do it, but you just gotta be really, really bloody careful. WebAssembly has a real problem because it's not a single language that you're approaching. You've got a lot of different places, mm -hmm. a lot of different run times to, to deal with that. So. Yeah, um, you know, not doing too much of a sneak preview, but our next guest is going to have a lot of thoughts on how different parts of the standard definitely uh, affect uh, different languages yeah. and, and things that they're able to do, um, which is, that's tough. Um, it's hard to get consensus for something like, if you think about it from an assembly language perspective, mm -hmm. make everybody happy with all the things they want to do with oh. their different languages. Yeah. So. You will never make everybody happy. Um, and no matter what, somebody will find a hole that they can stick a finger into um, for this. And I remember when I first got introduced really to WebAssembly, uh, probably 2019 or something, about that time frame, I remember reading this article in 2020 going, WebAssembly claims to be really secure, but I can write social um, cyber hacks in WebAssembly and deliver them to everybody's desktop. Therefore, it can't be secure. What? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I think we have a different meaning of the word security when we're talking about at that level. You know, I also hadn't thought about that. I mm. love the idea of I'm going to write this really portable hack and yeah. I'm gonna push it to the edge. I'm gonna push it to everyone. I love that. So it runs on ARM. <laughs> exactly. New application of edge computing. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> I do. I just remember scratching my head and looking at that one, and going, I, I, I don't get where they're coming from because I can write that hack in anything I want to write it in, and it's nothing to do with weather, web assembly. But you know, the portability aspect really strong. Uh, so crazy, so. crazy. Well, with that, I think it's about time to wrap up. Uh, any any uh, final thoughts, Oscar? Well, I just want to say, you know, uh, it's been phenomenal having you on, Dave. Uh, as an uh, open source enjoyer uh, myself, um, you know, uh, I love it. Um, it's, it's a ton of fun. It's great to do things out in the open. Um, I have a lot more questions uh, uh, for you after the show about maybe some of the Red Hat stuff and things like that. Um, but yeah, definitely appreciate yeah. you coming on and, and, and giving us your, your fantastic knowledge. Yeah, and I won't quite qualify myself as a PDF enjoyer. 
but I certainly <laughs> use the products often. Uh, thank you for all that you've done in, in, in the past on open standards and open source. And uh, it's been a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, uh, and I thank appreciate you, you all letting me come in and blab at you a little bit and tell some of my background stories and uh, hopefully share a little bit of insightful information at yeah, the same point I, in time. I think we've done that. Uh, for, for myself, for Dave, for Oscar, uh, we appreciate you guys being with us uh, on this special edition of WebAssembly Unleashed. Uh, we'll be back with you uh, very shortly with a new episode, and uh, we're going to discuss uh, how WebAssembly might go bad. Stay with us. That's a wrap for our WebAssembly adventure, fellow code explorers. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, may Wasm be with you.